Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. I recently heard a story of a jazz musician who made an unexpected friend. Daryl Davis had just finished playing a set at the Silver Dollar Lounge when he felt someone putting their arm on his shoulder. Now, Daryl was pretty confident he didn't know anyone there. It's not that the Silver Dollar Lounge was unsafe for a Black blues musician, but it certainly wasn't a place where Black people hung out. It was a white man, maybe 15 years older than Daryl, and he had loved the music. He said, that's the first time I've ever heard a Black man play the piano like Jerry Lee Lewis. And Daryl replied, no, no, no. I know Jerry Lee Lewis, and I know for a fact that he learned it from the same place I did, from Black blues and boogie-woogie players. Well, the patron was fascinated, and he invited Daryl to come over and have a drink at the bar to talk more. At some point, the man said, you know, this is the first time I've ever had a drink with a Black man. Well, a bit surprised, Daryl asked him why. And a friend of the patron elbowed him and said, go ahead and tell him. And the guy looked at Daryl and said, I'm a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Now, of course, I have never walked in Daryl's shoes, but I can imagine that those words pierced like a knife. I don't think anyone would have blamed Daryl for standing up and walking out. But that's not what he chose to do. In fact, that day was the start of a most unusual hobby for Daryl Davis. For the past 30 years, he has befriended somewhere around 200 members of the Ku Klux Klan, and through conversation and mutual respect, convinced them to change their mind and leave the Klan. In his words, Daryl says, at some point I formed a question in my mind, how can you hate me when you don't even know me? And people would just say, well, Daryl, that's just the way it is. Well, no, it's not the way it is. There has to be a reason behind it. Daryl says, I never set out to change anybody, not the first time by any means. The truth is I never expected anybody to change. But when you're sitting there one-on-one -on -one with somebody, it's hard to hate them as a human being. And it's hard for them to hate you, even though they may try. I'm guessing if Daryl Davis expected to have any notoriety in this life, it would be for his music, and that would be fitting as he's a world-class musician. But the reason I'm talking about him today and the reason that he's talked about all over the world is Daryl Davis has become known as a friend of Klansmen. And if you think that is a highly unusual pairing, let me tell you another story. This story takes place at a time when there was a general sense of how the world worked, who mattered and who didn't, who measured up and who didn't, who God accepted and who he didn't. And then came Jesus. The naysayers of the day, the religious elite, called him a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. They meant it as a criticism. But Jesus wore it as a badge of honor. Everywhere he went, Jesus befriended people from all walks of life and from a place of relationship chose to be a blessing to them. And if we're going to join Jesus in his lost cause, we should aim to be known as a friend of sinners 
too. The lost cause is what we've been talking about in this series over the last three weeks. And we're having this conversation because there are, there are three things of which we are convinced to be true. First, that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We know because he said it in Luke 19. Second, that before he ascended to heaven, Jesus told us to do the same, that the lost cause is our cause too. And third, that it was not solely his teachings that drew people to Jesus, but also the way he treated them. So, if we want to follow the example of Christ, which is exactly what it means to be a Christ follower, we have to go back to loving people the way that Jesus loved them. We've shared this t- statistic before that 79% of unchurched people, that's people who don't attend church, agree to the following statement. I don't mind talking to a friend about their faith if they really value it. Today, I want to lean in on that one word, friend. If we are going to revive evangelism, we must offer genuine friendship to others. And that's not actually difficult. So let's start by talking about three simple ways to be a friend. One of the things I love about the life of Jesus was the way he consistently veered off of the path that the religious elite and and even his own disciples would have preferred. Jesus was beautifully inefficient. He only had three years of earthly ministry, and that's not a lot of time to change the entire world. And yet, over and over again, he intentionally chose detours and delays in order to initiate friendship with people. As he was passing through Jericho, he stopped to have dinner with a tax collector. On his journey to Galilee, he sat with a woman at a well and agreed to stay with her and her fellow townspeople for two days. On his way to Jerusalem, when a blind beggar called out to him, everyone else told the man to be quiet, but Jesus stopped and spent time with him. Over and over again, Jesus chose to initiate friendship with people. They weren't interruptions, inconveniences, or detours. They were souls created in his Father's image. Jesus most certainly could have walked by, could have kept to his agenda, could have kept his distance, but instead, he stepped up. And that's one of the simple ways that that we can be a friend. We follow his example when we step up and initiate friendships with people. For example, a, a few years ago when I moved to the city of Chicago, I decided to get involved in a number of activities as an avenue to connect with people. And one of the things I did was to take a conversational Spanish class, but don't ask me to speak Spanish. Unfortunately, it did not stick. But what did emerge was a friendship that I was able to make with one of the other students in the class. She was a retired university professor who also was just taking the class for fun. And and every now and then, we would go out to lunch after class. Uh, One time, I got a mysterious invitation to attend a screening of a new film. And so I decided to invite her to go along with me. And, And she had the memorable experience of getting to sit next to famed film critic Roger Ebert as we watched the movie. One of the other things I invited her to was an informational meeting 
about working with refugees in the neighborhood in which she lived. And she enthusiastically joined me. And when they asked her why she was there, she told them, well, because Tammy invited me and she's an ambassador for doing good. It was that day after that comment that I had the opportunity to share with her that my motivation was not to be a do-gooder, but to follow Jesus, to follow in the way of Jesus, who cared for the most vulnerable. And I had the chance to share some of my story with her that day. Friends, if we're building a life that looks like Jesus's life, then there's a good chance that his will for us is to step up and initiate friendship with the people we encounter. Send the text to your neighbor. Schedule the lunch with your coworker. What if the thing that God most wants you to do this week is not currently on your calendar? Being a friend starts with simply stepping up. Now, before I tell you the second simple way to be a friend, let me preemptively apologize. Because I know in some families, this phrase is not allowed, but I, but I think it does capture a key way we can be a friend to others. So brace yourselves. Here it is. Shut up. Now, of course, we should never say that to another person, but I think it can be a helpful thing to say to ourselves from time to time. And, and here's why I say that. If we go back to the Barna research where eight out of 10 people said they talked to a friend about faith, the researchers asked a follow-up question. They asked, what would you value in a person with whom you'd talk about spiritual matters? And do you know what the number one answer was to that question? Listen without judgment. The majority of our friends and neighbors are open to talking about spiritual matters and, and what they want most from us in those discussions is for us to listen without judgment. I think this is one of the reasons why the tax collectors and sinners were drawn to Jesus. They didn't feel judged in his presence. No doubt they had all kinds of misdeeds in their past and probably held all kinds of misguided beliefs. But in Jesus, they found someone who was safe to be around. Author Ann Voskamp says, Jesus' love was not contingent on people's pasts or their mistakes. His love was unconditional, and he extended it to everyone, especially those who needed it most. Listening is one of the purest acts of love and friendship. What our neighbors want is for someone to lean in and just listen. They want someone who assumes the best of them. Do you find it hard to do this, to shut up? I mean, I do. Sometimes it's because I just want to talk because I like when people listen to me. But honestly, sometimes it's because when I'm in a conversation with someone about spiritual matters, especially if they say something I don't agree with or something I don't like, I can feel this desire bubble up in me to want to correct them or, or set them straight. Do you ever feel that? But maybe what people most need is a friend who's willing to just listen without judgment as they wrestle with spiritual matters, maybe we can trust that God is at work in those conversations, even if we don't say a lot. Listening is probably more important now than ever before. Uh, just try getting an appointment with a therapist. You're gonna wait weeks or even months because people are not doing well emotionally. 
and they need to feel heard. One therapist said, most people just need one good friend. If they had one good friend who listened, that would make a huge difference. But here's the sad reality. Two-thirds of the people who were surveyed said they had no one in their life who would listen to them without judgment. Two out of three had no one who would listen without judgment. And that's why shutting up could be one of the most valuable acts of friendship that we could offer to others. We often think evangelism is about what we say, but it actually starts with what we don't say. It starts with shutting up and listening. Who is someone in your life who needs someone to listen? Being a friend to that person could be as simple as choosing to shut up and let them share. Let's talk about one more simple way we can be a friend to people. If we step up and initiate with people, if we shut up and listen to them without judgment, we will discover meaningful ways we can show up in their lives. Here's what I mean by that. As we connect with people and listen to them, we will discover their hurts and pains and struggles. We will understand the challenges they face and be aware of the needs in their lives. And this will open up the way for us to show up in their lives and serve them. In fact, this leads us to the next blessed practice. Each week of this series, we have highlighted a simple practice that helps us join Jesus in his mission of seeking and saving the lost. We call these the blessed practices. And so far, we've talked about the first three. The B stands for begin with prayer. We've challenged you to identify eight people you live or work or play in close proximity to that you'd like to see find their way back to God and start praying for these eight people every day. The L stands for listen, an intentional practice that we've reinforced this week. The E stands for eat. Sharing a meal with another person might be the best way to connect with them. And as we live out those first three practices, we will discover ways we can show up in people's lives and serve them. That's the next practice in BLESS. The first S stands for serve. Jesus modeled this practice for us. In fact, serving wasn't just something he did. It was who he was. It was part of his identity. One time, Jesus' disciples were arguing over which one of them was considered to be the greatest. And, and Jesus interrupted them and he said this. He said, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you, you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. And why were the disciples to be like the one who serves? Well, because as Jesus goes on to say, I am among you as one who serves. Jesus saw himself as someone who, who was who he was, was present where he was, to be one who serves. And perhaps one of the clearest examples of Jesus living out this identity happened the night before he was arrested and crucified. He was with his disciples in an upper room sharing one last meal. And at a time when Jesus had every right to expect others to serve him, he chose the role of a servant. He noticed that everyone's feet were dirty. And so he, he got up and he washed them. 
Jesus saw a need in front of him, dirty feet, and he grabbed a towel and a basin of water and he served. And then he said to his disciples, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Let me ask you, what needs do you see in the lives of the eight people you are praying for? How could you show up for them? Uh, Maybe one of your eight is a single parent. How could you show up and serve that parent? Maybe there is a a household chore you could help with, or or, or maybe you could hang out with the kids while that parent makes a, a glorious solo trip to the grocery store. Maybe one of your eight is new to the neighborhood or to the office. How could you show up and serve this newcomer? Maybe you could share a list of your favorite restaurants in the area or recommendations for doctors, mechanics, or other service professionals. How could you show up for the eight people you are praying for? You see, when you pray, listen, and share meals with your eight, you will discover ways big and small that you can show up and serve them. If we are going to revive evangelism and help people find their way back to God, we have to do what Jesus did and offer genuine friendship to people. And three simple ways to be a friend, step up and initiate connection, shut up and listen without judgment and show up and serve in big and small ways. So here's the challenge I wanna leave you with this week. Think of your eight the neighbors, friends, family members, or coworkers that you are in close proximity with. How could you step up, shut up, and show up for them this week? Maybe you already have an idea. I do. Two of my eight are a young couple that live next to me with a small child and another on the way, and it seems they both work full time. And I'll admit, I haven't been very successful at getting them to have a full conversation with me yet, but I have noticed that many weeks it takes them several days to bring back their garbage cans from the curb. I don't know the reason for this, but I decided that that's a simple way I could show up and serve them just by bringing the cans in for them. And I don't know if anything will come of it, but I've started doing it and and we'll see what happens. What about you? If you aren't sure, Ask God to put an opportunity before you this week to step up, shut up, or show up, and then seize it when it comes. And do you know why it's so important that we do these things? Because the most shocking person that Jesus befriended wasn't a tax collector. It wasn't a a prostitute or a leper. It wasn't a Klansman sitting next to Daryl Davis in the Silver Dollar Lounge. Do you know who the most unlikely sinner is that Jesus calls friend? It's me. It's you. When Jesus walked resolutely toward the cross, he did so out of his great love for you and for me. Unworthy and flawed and broken as we are, he decided that we were worthy of friendship. And in dying on the cross, he stepped up and he bridged the gap between us and God. He secured our salvation and our eternity. He freed us from the consequences of sin, and he empowers us to continue his mission in this world. Let's follow his example and love people the way he loved us. Let's join him in his lost cause. 
We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.